Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Engage podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm Sammy. And I'm Phil. And today we're going to be doing our second annual um, episode of Absent Friends. Because mm. obviously we did it last year and it's uh, now an annual thing. So this year we'll be doing a similar sort of thing. A couple of well-knowns, a couple of not so well-known. One actor, not three production people. And it's a chance for us to honour those people that maybe you've heard of, but maybe you haven't heard of. So kind of the unsung heroes. Oh yeah, the ones who sort of slipped through the cracks. who have actually done quite a lot behind the scenes, but because they're behind the scenes, or no they've done one kind of well, gives like, them any highlight. Yeah, they don't get the recognition as much recognition as they do deserve, which exactly, is yeah. why I said which what, is not right. Yeah, it's just why we have this. The fact that they do get some sort of recognition. Yeah. So, um, so should we start off with um, probably the most, well, the most famous one from this year, which we did actually mention in our retrospective. Which we kind of did. <laughs> which we kind of did do anyway. Um, so uh, yeah, that was uh, obviously uh, Anton Yelchin. So we sort of will be sort of treading over familiar ground a little bit, um, but we'll be able to go into a little bit more depth than we did previously. Um, and yeah, so we'll start off with I think we'll start off with that. I think that's the Well I, I want I wanted to start off by saying how brilliantly he did at Chekhov. Because he to go it's like Zachary Quinto, to go into a role that is so iconic and well known and loved and yeah, actually you've got to realise it must a brilliant character that people latch on to, like I did. I, I thought it just it was perfect. Yeah. And it was different and mm. I couldn't describe how he just done it so well. And you've got to, you've got to think of the pressure that these stars were under, whether it was Anton himself or Zachary Quinto. The pressure they must have been under to really live up to that iconic sort of mm. uh, you know that people have in their minds of oh this is how Kirk should act, this is how Chekhov will be, etc. I mean, you know, that must have been a huge, huge undertaking. It's just the way that they have the homage twist, isn't it? Mm. The way they do it. Mm. But it's the same, familiar, yeah. but just so different somehow. He had me hanging on every word. I, I believe the character. He made me laugh. He made me cry at certain points. It's, it's brilliant. You know? Yeah, and I think what also helps is I think I actually brought this up before is the close friendship that that they, they that the new ones had with the old star. So like, like Anton did with Walter Koenig mm. and you know um George Takai um with um oh god uh oh my mind's gone blank now who played who plays the new suit you're asking me um <laughs> oh, okay fair enough I don't feel so bad now <laughs> um but you know it, it's that sort of thing and that sort of um dynamic that they have that's helped them you know get into the role for character mm. by getting to know the the actor who originally played it in the original series. But that's also really good. It shows you that he had the nounce to really look into his character and develop it. And But even in the three films... John Cho. All right, thank you. Yeah. Even in the three films that we saw, he really developed the character. And oh, yeah, exactly. He, he was, how can I put it? He, he became... I, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you that there was one main actor mm. out of the new Star Trek. I think they all... Get a really good amount of screen time. Obviously, you've got they, Kirk, but they all Zachary get, Quinto, and Spock, but they all get their moments to shine. And you know, exactly. Chekhov, Anton, he made Chekhov his own. Yeah, you know, he really did sell the character. Mm. You know, and one of my, I was actually reminiscing to myself the other day. And one of my favourite moments was actually in the first film where he's got to put in the authorization code, but the computer yes. can't quite because he says it as he because he's such a, such a thick Russian accent. Yeah. 
He can't and if it computer just can't read it and awful episode I think it's got added impact for us because he's only a few months old than you, Jane, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. So it's kinda of got a bit of more of impact because it's like mm. the same age as us and it's like such a shock, but it happened at that time. He just yeah. thought it happened in the way it did. But, I mean, it shed light on other things that he'd done. I mean, I didn't realise he was in Terminator. I, I, the Genesis. I didn't realise he was in that film. Yeah, yeah. And it sort of it made me realise... It's it's like... How can I put this? I think the true calling of a brilliant actor is you don't actually realise it's them playing another role. Oh, exactly. Particularly if it's a very different type of thing. I mean, yeah, okay, you could argue Terminator and Starship is science, science fiction, but no, but they played to completely different. But different, roles. yeah. But that's yeah, that's that's exactly the point, Phil. Yeah, um, it's like when I um, it's like mm. to bring up another actor that unfortunately died this year, but Alan Rickman. Mm. Right. There were tons of films that I've seen two or three times. I didn't realise he was in it. Oh God, there's one thing I've never I've never seen him in Galaxy Quest. And I finally saw that. <laughs> and I just thought that was. I said Simon showed that to me earlier this year. And it was amazing. I didn't realise he was in the Robin Hood. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But it, it yeah. just it, what, the one with uh, Kevin Costner. It's the one. Um, Late, yes, early nineties. Prince of Thieves. Thank you. Yeah. I was just trying to think of the name. Thank you. Sorry. Anyway, sorry. Going back to. But <laughs> I was just using that as an example as a brilliant actor that you don't necessarily realise, and it's because they have that ability to change their role so dramatically. Yeah, I mean, like some of the big mainstream actors, it's always them. They always play this, like Tom Hanks. It's the same character. It's the same person. It's the same guy. It's just him. I thought that um, Anthony Hitchin had a really interesting childhood. Yes, because he was um, Jewish, wasn't he? Anthony Hitchin was born in Lenin- Leningrad, now St. Petersburg in Russia, second largest city in the Soviet Union. His parents were um, Irina, Karina and Victor Yelchin, both of whom were figure status known throughout the country. Um, in September 1989, uh, when he was six months old, uh, oh, wow. they, three of the men migrated to the US states because of their Jewish background. Mm. They received refugee status owing to long-term anti-Semitic policies in the Soviet Union. Um, it's also worth noting that Walter Koenig, who created Rolf Pachekov, was also of Soviet Soviet Jewish parentage, although he he himself was not born in the USSR, and they were from Lithuania rather than Russia. Well, I, I hated the fact that the anti-Semitism since World War Two has really just not ever finished, as it it just it doesn't make sense to me. And mm. I can I can understand the plight of a lot of Jewish settlers from Russia to America. Yeah. It just it it, it I, I I wouldn't stay around. I don't know about you, but. It's sort of it's it's weird looking at it because we we come from race and I suppose that we're lucky being in England and the fact that we haven't had that yeah that we problem. I mean we, obviously there's the people look down at us sometimes and say oh you're a, you're a, a Christian country but that kind of doesn't really wash in this sort of modern era. And I mean it's, it's, I know it's horrible. Really. Yeah, I mean I know obviously a lot of the stuff's gone in the world at the moment, but we're quite fortunate I think in a way to live in the time we were. Do you think back then, back in the Second World War, about how Jewish people were treated? Oh, crikey, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I also found um, quite interesting, well, I quite liked as well, uh, what I found out about uh, Anton was the fact that he also enjoyed playing the guitar, oh, really? which I thought okay. was really quite cool. Because, um, I don't know, for, uh, one, of our, one of our friends from school, I won't, well, no, because he might not want me to, but he, he, he plays the guitar in his spare time as well. And it's just those sort of interesting parallels you can find with people, just sort of common interest. And that's just the fact that, yes, he obviously, he, his acting was his main love because he started that when he was 
you began acting by the age of nine. Um, there's also these other things that you find out, like, you know, for example, Leonard Nimoy, when, you know, he obviously he loved photography as well. Yes. You yes. know? What I didn't realise is that the Star Trek crew received Washington, D.C. Arena or Area Film Critics Association Award nomination, um, Best Ensemble um, in, in 2009, I say, and uh, won the Boston Society of Film Critics Award for the uh, same thing. Oh, right. Um, okay. Which he shared with the rest of the cast. Uh, the next year, um, they received the Broadcast Film Critics Association Award nomination for Best, Best Acting Ensemble. Mm. So they received a lot that we didn't even know about. Well, also quite, you know, what I also found, I said, just looking through what we've what we've got here, is also that he was unfamiliar with Star Trek prior to his being cast as Chekhov, but planned on viewing the various DVD box sets to learn more about the franchise. Yeah, I think um, that's sort of there. Yeah, I think that's sort of yeah and it's like um, it's, it's sort of again that mirrors actually quite interestingly JJ Abrams who never literally never delved hardly into Star Trek before we actually directed the first film. So after they were um, immigrants, he attended Sherman Oaks Center for Rich Studies in Tarzana, Tarzana, California. Yeah, um, and began acting at age of nine, as you were saying. Ah. They enrolled at University of Southern California in 2000 study film. Something just caught my eye here. In his in his early career, between 2000 and 2003, he starred. His first TV appearance was in the at the age of 11 in an episode of ER. Oh wow, that's really quite interesting. Because I, I used, I mean, many years ago, I used to, used to watch that with my dad. But just you might, like, might have seen it, not realised. Possibly. Did yeah. you also see the comment from that was made by his mum uh, in the Los Angeles Times in December 1989? He, um, there was a comment from his mum that said, "What did she say?" Uh, uh, this is when they were talking about um, him starting his career and, and mm. why he got into it. Uh, uh, she said that a woman came up to came up and saw Anton and said, "He's beautiful. He will be an actor." This is obviously when he was a lot younger. Oh wow! Um, and Yelson stated that he wasn't very good um, at figuring, uh, figuring, uh, and figure skating was a much better profession. Ah. So, what is so, so he wanted to be a skater boy. So this this, <laughs> this random woman that came up to him actually predicted his future. Yeah. Wow. He won quite a few awards in his time. A Young Spirit Award for Best Performance in a Feature Film by a Leading Actor for his work in um, Hearts in Atlantis. Uh, and received second nomination for his performance in the miniseries Taken. So he's, he did really quite well. For the short time that he had, I think he did very well indeed. I mean, he's also, he's been in a couple of um, uh, other films as well, which is actually, oddly enough, starred with other Star Trek actors. So you've Ooh, got... Third one. Third one for oh. television movie Jack. Was that another award? Um, Young Spirit Award nomination. And that oh. was in 2000 and... Well, it doesn't really say, but I think it's about... 2006-ish, around that sort of time. Going back to what you said about he enjoyed playing the guitar, he actually was part of a punk band called Hammerheads. Oh, really? Uh, oh. Which, unfortunately, later disbanded. Oh. Um, and he, he said it gave him a whole lot of fulfilment. He was also an alpha, alpha dog. An alpha dog? Hmm, alpha dog, house of day. There's lots of credits that I've never seen or heard of, unfortunately. And like you say, um, Terminator Salvation. Hmm. Um, music also... drama like crazy. Oh, uh, one Spotlight Award at the Hollywood Film Festival 
um, and a Breakthrough Performer Award at the Hamptons International Film Festival in 2011. Oh, well, apologies, it was Salvation, not Genesis. Sorry, I think I said Terminator Genesis earlier. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, didn't register me. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Salvation was number four. One vague thing we might know him from, but if I haven't seen it, gone. It was the voice of Cumbis, Cum. Comes Smurf in two thousand version. I was just Smurfs. looking at that, yeah, and he did the others. He did the two. He did Smurfs sequel. two as well yeah. in the sequel. I've never seen those. No, no, but it's something we might vaguely have seen. Mm. But um, yeah, he actually starred in. Um, he made uh, and actually along with Scarlett uh, Pomers, who played um, oh oh Naomi Wildman in Voyager. They but they both made appearances in the two thousand TV movie Get Get Capetto. That's even pronounced correctly. Which stars also René Jeanois, who played Odo in Deep Space Nine, and Brent Spiner. So he's, he's actually starred in a, in a movie, actually a couple of other Star, star Trek actors. done that loads of times. When you look at the whole list he's yeah. done, it's like lists, so... Well, if you actually look at it, he had four, up, uh, one, two, three, four, yeah, four upcoming films. Mm, two, say, two yeah. planned for 2016, so this year. One was... Remembering. We, yeah, and one was for the 2016, We Don't Belong Here. And uh, Proto, and then obviously remembering, and then Tough Trail Hunters, yep, and Tough Bread. It's, it's so sad, isn't it? Mm. But it, super late, it does mean that what you know, the um, Kelvin time that's going to be more so different from the Prime Universe. So, yeah, I remember you put you, I remember you pointing that out to me actually. So, it's just a shame, isn't it? He even did a couple of video games as well, so the Star Trek game from 2013 and Smurfs 2 from 2013, which I I can't believe Smurfs 2 was 2013. That's like a one while back, doesn't it? 13. Mm. Three years ago. It does, just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it's just, it's just, I said, it's, so I said, it's just a tragedy that his life was cut so short, um, you know, because he, you know, who knows where, what else he could, would have done with his career. Mm. But even in the short time that he was here, he, he had a, a pretty impressive career you know for such a young actor at 27 i mean what we achieved by the time we're 27 nothing compared not really no <laughs> it's not in my no, it's not for me he was also <laughs> in the cult horror film from 1985 fright night which i think people might recognize him from i've not seen it but i have heard of the charlie film. Bre- Bre- brewster a teenager who believes his neighbor is a vampire <laughs> sounds like a fun film i might have to watch that then it's just, and there's a whole, a whole heap of cameos and yeah, I guess mean, spots and things. NYPD infusion, NYPD Blue, Law and Order, Criminal Intent. So I mean, there was there was two updates as well. Back uh, back in August, the um, his family were going to sue the car company, uh, the Jeep, because obviously, unfortunately, that got killed him. But yeah, um, which is a bit of an unfortunate thing to talk about. But only recently, tenth of October. Um, the the actual um, Star Trek and so uh, he blamed his own it was blamed for his own death and it, it and it was not the jeep that killed him filed for a wrongful death mm. and product liability lawsuit which was then thrown out in October but yeah yeah I mean it's it said it's it said it's, 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 like, it's a it's a bit eerie as well. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. that it's at yeah. the age we're sort of at now, it just makes you realise how precious life is. How many months older than you is was he? Um, he was March and you're September. So uh, uh, April, May, June, July, August. So about six about six months. Six months, half a year. 
It's not a lot, is it, when you think about and it? And that, no. that could happen to us, isn't it? Mm. If we just had a um, defective car, that could quite easily just happen to one of us, yeah, couldn't yeah. it? It's just... It's a bit worrying, it, isn't it? It can happen to anyone. I think that sort of proves, isn't it? Just anyone at any time, isn't mm. it? Yeah, which is, as I said, just a bit of a shock that it's just happened, you know. It's just... But I'm so glad they're not recasting or not replacing him. No, I mean, I, I, I think that, and I think that's very respectful mm. to his memory as well. It's like, you know, they're, they're actually, he said, they're acknowledging that it's happened. Um, you know, it's sort of like the respect they sort of, they paid um, Leonard Nimoy in the third film, the way they honoured. I think the story arc for that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Which I, think I reckon I might work something into the next film about. Um, yeah, they'll yeah. probably in the universe explain it somehow mm. or put a memorial to. Well, they, well, they did it not actually. They did it in Beyond, didn't they? Yes. Mm. But they may make a bit more. Well, they're going to have to do something in the next film somehow. They're going to have to go. You know, it's happened. We know it's happened. Yeah. This is what you've missed. Mm. Yeah. In these years, and we haven't managed to get. Well, well, I take it they could have gone off on their mission. And they just haven't, they can't go back to space stuff or replace mm. them, maybe something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's any number of ways they can do it, isn't there? So we just have to see what they come up it's with. It's quite interesting what J.J. Um, Abrams' note said in Entertainment Weekly about his death. Our little brother, but only by years, he was as wise and clever and intelligently curious as any of us, anyone we ever knew. Which was quite a nice yeah, thing, it's and I think cool. it's mm. to that at the time. It's just such such a sad thing, but it's what this episode's all about. Just kind of remembering that remembering these them. people yeah. happened, and they yeah, they, 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 they they made the difference. They made the difference. Yeah, say it's trying to bring people that you may not know, try and bring to them the to the forefront. And this finally, this episode we're going to be able to do that because some mm. people that you probably you won't would never know, have, like, I've never heard of, like Charles yet. Washburn. I don't think. Until I got told about him, it's like never yeah again him. So mm. we'll get to him later. Um, are we finished with Venom? Because yeah, I think we've done a pretty damn good job. With yeah, I think him. we've covered it pretty well. It was just a shock. It's like mm. Mm. It, it, it's really squ- swept across Twitter. Everyone going, is it true? Is it not true? Yeah, I yeah. Think people yeah realised it. I think it was true. like for the first couple of hours, people were like, is this actually mm. what was going on? There's a lot of confusion. The same sort of thing for Kenny Bacon. It was a hoax. Sort of thing, yeah. Just kind of, is this really true? And then it's suddenly got confirmed. It's like, oh God, because it's how mm. I was live tweeting during it. I was, I was up and it's like, really? I, you know, just a quick shock. Mm. Um, I only found out, I think you told me so, wasn't it? And I, just, we, I think you both found out like, that yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I heard on the radio. Yeah. So, are we doing Gary next? Gary Hutzel. Yes. Visual um, effects supervisor. Someone I didn't actually know about, but apparently he's very well known. I did. I know you did, I didn't. Oh, I, think, I thought you said me. Oh, no, I know you did, because I remember you saying to me you did. But I, I... One, one thing that Phil would love is he was instrumental in the creation of the Fine. Yes, yes. Which is kind of a big thing that's like. Mm. But looking, look, just I said reading through early. Huge career. His contributions yeah, was, um, are was, incredible. He was, he was born in November fourth, nineteen fifty-five, and he only passed away in March at the age of sixty. But he was a visual effects artist who worked as um, a coordinator and supervisor on the first five seasons of TNG and the entire run of D- DS Nine. Um, you know, which I think he also won Emmy awards for outstanding visual effects. Seven uh, animations, which yeah. is incredible as well. 
And yeah, I said as, as Simon said, he was instrumental in the creation of the Defiant. He also built plus up, many other episodes, oh, like many yeah. other ships. He also built the blown up Borg cube breakaway model seen in the Best of Both Worlds Part Two. Um, that's it. Can I go into more detail what Emmys he was nominated for? And stuff? yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. people know the episode and go, yeah, I can understand that. So yeah, over nine, twenty, didn't they? In nineteen ninety, got an oh. Emmy Award nomination for Tin Man. So that must have been gum gum to. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, but that's an incredible order in its own right. Um, 1991 nomination for Best Both Worlds and subsequently Part 2. And again, you can understand that. Ma- the man, you know, the man of ships and more 359 is kind of creating kit ships for him. It's... Oh, this I quite like. You got an Emmy Award as well for the episode One Little Ship. I won't go into it, but it's an episode where it's, that is the, basically the, some of the crew shrink. And then it's just a runabout shuttle down to about that size. Well. And it flies around the innards of the Defiant. <laughs> this is a really fun episode, actually. Um, but, 1907, mm. a nomination for Trials and Tribulations. Again, because then you're recreating K7. Yeah, and, yeah, and, you're, having a, and you're having to put the... the One little yeah. shift, as Jamie said, in 1998. So that's trying to... How the frick do you do that because mm. that's brilliant. He must cool he must to... have been a very imaginative person. Oh yeah. And 1999 for what you leave behind. So that that must be incredible because the battle sequences and things and that. Mm. Although they did reuse some, but oh yeah, of course. But it's you know I think I think this is what's you know what's what's really impressive, particularly with Star Trek, is people like Gary Hutzer who have contributed have made these models. And you know you think of the the work and the effort that goes into it. Of actually building something, it's it, particularly something from scratch, you know, and it's just it's just, it's amazing. I mean, he's he's from Michigan as well. Uh, he went to he studied at the mechanical engineering of the University of Michigan in his early in his early career, um, and then moved into to films uh, in the in California. Um, he also studied photography as well um, at Brooks Institute. His first job in the industry was a van driver for the mm. commercial production of House, uh, at Film Fire. But you know, as I said, he said as Simon pointed out he was instrumental in the trials and tribulations. Said, you know, working in the integrating the footage of that episode of the original series episode, which is as I said, an absolutely fantastic achievement. I I love the bit below it where it says Hutzel's fondness for physical studio models translates itself in saving. On regular basis, one time use ship for the week models. So you see them like they have like Mark News are kind of well, I like that, but I'll keep hold of that because they would throw them out. Mm. So part of Star Trek history is this kind of oh, I'll keep hold of that. I like that. Yeah, that was, yeah I don't want it. I've says, worked on it, so I don't want to get rid of it. It, it says here, um, thankfully, uh, it goes, oh, Gary couldn't bear to see stuff going to the crusher, <laughs> so into personal storage it would go, and somebody would not see a lot of day again for over 20 years. <laughs> But at least they didn't die or go or, or get rid of. Well, what I like here is it says, still, after having held on to his collection for the better part of 20 years, Hutzel decided to let Garvey's Star Trek collection and commissioned um, uh, to. And Peter's props work. To auction off his possessions. Thank you, Si. Um, How did you sp- struggle with Alec Peters, Jamie? I didn't. I literally just skimmed over it. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I just had this sense of you would chip in. I don't know why. It's a bit eerie, that was. It, uh, in your own time, uh, Si, but listen, we you think you, that was pretty smoothly done. He didn't, he didn't just do um, Star Trek, though. He did a film called Red Planet. He also did Scar- uh, Spy Kids, 
Um, which oh, really? You, which you should know of. Oh, I used to love that. And that's with Star Galactica. Yeah. Um, oh, he did the Monster Battle Star Galactica. Oh, wow. Well. CGI at that point. Hmm. Oh, um, what? Was that the um, the first series then? The, the old one? No, new, new. Oh, new one. Okay, big pun. Yeah, so the prequel. Oh, oh big pun. Oh, here we are. Um, uh, he also contributed to Star Trek print propagations by doing beauty stills and studio models against cosmic backgrounds, mostly planets for the Star Trek Chronology 1996, and Encyclopedia, kind of the big one that I got for you guys, the like, yeah. 1999 version. Um, the but chapter introductions of, of both versions of Star Trek when no one has gone before and the making of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. But it was actually the uh, the television series um, that he was producing for Beyond in March, uh, where unfortunately he had a heart attack while working. But he he, he would he died oh, while he was shit. doing stuff he loved. Mm. So he, he so I'll remember that when I be watching the Beyond series, knowing that mm. again it's almost like like you know, like Anton that you you watching this thing and you know, this new thing and you know that what happened for his work on the Battlestar Galactica projects Hutzel earned three Emmy Award nominations for outstanding special special visual effects for a series one in 2004 and in 2006 and fourth in 2009 um, he also had a wife a daughter and two sons as well mm. well what I also quite like actually is he was also um, he was a supervisor as well visual effects one on, on, on the action film Drive Angry 3D which I don't think either of you guys have seen it's Nicolas Cage, a very, very daft film, but in, right. a, in a fun way. But I didn't actually realise it. Again, he, again, it's watching things and, you know, you're reading this and he's saying he's contributed, co- contributed which you didn't realise before. So, but you guys know, and I've always wanted to add in someone that had been done with models and things like that, because it's just so interesting that they're so clever. Yeah, there's I mean... There's more in there that I can yeah. like 3D out in the next few years. This, this is quite interesting as well. He had, there's, there's several people that are... Um, paid tribute to him, a lady by the name of Catherine uh, Tender Tender Costa. Tender Costa. Um, she she wrote "Rest in Peace, Gary, the man who made starships," mm. which I thought was quite a nice nice comment to make. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it said it's just you know all these said all these all these people that have made the contributions to Star Trek, and you just you just don't realise it. I well, mean, he's just tip of iceberg. Cause it's life's work, isn't it? That he's put into it, and yeah, we sure. wouldn't we wouldn't be enjoying these ships as much as we do now without them. Exactly. exactly. I love the fact he he loved um, physical models. He hated CGI. Mm. He held off as long yeah, as he Yeah, I mean, before, before the, new era, yeah, the, only, the only Star Trek series currently to do CGI was Enterprise. Discovery will probably be doing that as well. I well, he was working on Discovery, obviously, like I say, when he had the heart attack. So. Uh, oh, but was that what he was working on? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. didn't know he was working on that. That's a shame. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's said it's just, and it's just sunk and about. It wasn't Beyond, Phil. Oh, was it not? Disney's production title Beyond. It's not Star Trek. Oh right, I thought it said it, well. It said it just said the Beyond series. So, sorry, I've, I've put two and two together and got nine. It's all right, no worries, Phil. It's a mistake to make. It's just incredible to say. It's just these sort of people I love because it's like, it's like sat there working on models, kind of. Yeah, I said right. these these pictures. I said you you can see. He's... Listening to many in interviews, it's just incredible. It's the kind of thought processes that go into creating these models. Mm. And I, kind of I mean, even from just this the man who knew what he was doing. Yeah. Even just from I these, what he was doing. Even just from these couple of pictures here, you can just tell he's got a real passion, like the real tits of the way he's concentrating and. And working, you know, and 
it's it's amazing. Always, you know, always doing something that you love. Mm-hmm. You know, how many and how many people have actually find the passion of actually like their career is something they love doing. Exactly. Yeah. So and they do it for so long and not let it get. Oh yeah, I mean, keep it fresh and not let it get tiresome. I said he started. I said, he was in 1987, so he was he was doing it for over 20 years, 25 years. Um, you know, what's like I say, reshaped Star Trek as we know it now, and yeah. a lot of other sci-fi programs. Because oh, yeah. you could you could always argue that a lot of people took inspiration from his work. So, in one way, he lives on. Yeah, and um, what also is quite cool here is that Hart's sort of practical reasons. Simply, you know, he preferred to photo- photograph the ships. So like like the Defiant or all the or the station like DS nine. So again, as Simon said, he didn't like CGI. Mm-hmm. You know, because don't get me wrong, CGI can be good, but it always kinda of cheating, isn't it? Yeah, I mean no offense to no offense to obviously a lot of films that do CGI these days, it's fair enough, it does look fantastic, but there's just something very nostalgic and old old school, and I mean this in a nice way, about building models. He said mm-hmm. you really feel like there's uh, you know, you've really taken the time and you, it's like, you know, you're crafting something it comes across from your own hands. It comes across in the film as well. Yeah, you're crafting something from your own hands. And it's just it's just really, I mean, the dedication and the patience that must go into that is just a staggering. I, I couldn't mm. do anything like that. I really couldn't, you know. So, you know, and it's just, as I said, it's just one of these things we just sort of take for granted. I said, all these people that made these contributions and we just don't realise it. Mm. You know, and this is again Gary, Gary Hutzel was another fan, you know fantastic example of that. Yes, and it was a shame that we lost him. So, is there anything we want to say more on him? Or no, I think, I think, I think we've, we've done. Yeah, I think we've covered him pretty well. Um, Before we go on to the next one, we'd like to do a brief introduction because this, this one's a special one. I'm not sure you guys know. In the in the emails I sent to you both, you might have noticed I put LN next to. Gary. Yeah, I did Charles wonder what that meant, name. but I didn't want to say anything because I thought you might actually bring it up during the episode, so I didn't actually want to say anything. So, what this refers to is, if you remember, before the beginning of the last one, I asked Larry for some names. Oh, okay. Charles Washburn is one of those names, because he wanted us to oh, uh, that's mention LN, him. Larry, Larry Nemenchuk. Yep. Yeah, because he was the first African-American assistant director in Hollywood. Um, and Larry thought that was noteworthy and worth mention. Just kind of, hey, this guy hasn't, is barely mentioned. And it was Why this Mashburn, is it M A? No, Washburn. Oh, Washburn, Washburn. I'll spell with a W though. Yeah. So I put the number one name on the title on my thing. <laughs> so, so Larry kind of said, hey, check this guy out. Look at this guy and what he's done. Well, he was an assistant. So Finally, getting around to it. Finally, mm. he was an assistant director on the, uh, the original series and the first season of TNG, uh, but he was also people probably most know him for playing um, Richard Compton in the episode of Doomsday Machine. It was named after him, which I thought was quite uh, really really cool. It's a very subtle reference. Mm. It's quite a nice thing that someone kind of went, "Oh, I put that." I say it's like lovely bit of, uh, referencing and. Yeah, I mean, I said I. I you know, I actually do remember the reference. I said it's very subtle, but if you do know him, then you know. It's... Well, he, he was he was also. I mean, he was born on the first of May, nineteen thirty-eight, and to quote a very famous song, he was all the way from Memphis, Tennessee. Oh. <laughs> I do want to point out he has he didn't die this year. He died back in the thirteenth of April, twenty twelve, age of so... seventy-three. But it's it's again it's an unsung hero mm. that that 
many people wouldn't have heard I of. Feel, I certainly hadn't. This year, I felt done too from this year. It's about time we do a couple that don't get enough recognition. Mm. So mm. this mean, is probably the most unknown out of the three, out of the two that we're doing. People will know the next one briefly because she's she does appear in a couple of um, Star Trek um, episodes. Yeah. Special, special oh, features. No, special yeah. features so she, you do meet her in some of the special features, but I just thought he's got such an interesting. He had such an interesting life that you just had to mention him. Hmm. I mean, he died at seventy-three, the age of seventy-three, hmm. um, eight, the thirteenth of April, two thousand and twelve. Well, his his work on the original series. Was... Died of kidney disease. Was um, his work on the original series was Washburn's first professional job before his apprenticeship at the Directors Director Guild of America's training pro- training program. He also did the last seri- uh, season of um, Star Trek: Next Generation. Uh, the first season. Oh, first, 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 first season, season, I believe. Yeah. I love the way that um, later on people called him Charlie Star Trek in association, <laughs> association with the series. But um, in 1986, he considered writing a book about his experiences in television, specifically about Star Trek, especially. But the book never materialised. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a real shame. So maybe he just never got the chance to finish it. He must have also been a good friend of Gene Roddenberry because it was actually Gene Roddenberry that recruited him for it. He, mm. he had quite a few duties. Preparing the shooting schedule, creating the call sheets, releasing the call, re- releasing calls for the actors... Hire and pay the background extras with the help of independent casting. So he did quite a big thing on the original series. Mm. I mean, you know, particularly, obviously, you know, like say, like the shooting schedule, for example. You know, what scenes you're going to shoot, what time. You know, you've got to be very specific. You know, you've got to make sure that the actor you know, is going to turn up. On... So there must have been, I said, a lot of work that went into that. And um, what I also found quite interesting was that in that year as well, in 1986, he did submit a feature article to the magazine Starlog that was published detailing his career. He he also actually did some some work recently, which was the uh, uh, James Craw- James Crawley's fan film, uh, the uh, the Star Trek New Voyages, um, which was interesting that he would also be working on that as a fan film as well. Hmm. Um, it worked up until two thousand and seven. Yeah, uh, and also he worked with Star Trek alumni Rex Holman and was instrumental in casting him as Morgan Earp for the third season episode Spectre of a Gun. Um, so, you know, which is, um, it's a season three episode of the original series. It's a, it's a bit of an odd one. It's like a, it's like a Western. It's a it, quite, quite enjoyable though. Um, but yeah. And obviously in, in TNG works as a first assistant director on the first season. So, mm. um, so, you know, he's said he was, he's it's quite a prominent figure really. And it's, it's good for Nemechek to, uh, or Larry to, to, to let us know. Really. Yeah, it's, it again, it's, to it's something we wouldn't we wouldn't have noticed or realised or seen or, under, or, or or known to look for. But his um his career outside of Star Trek, um, he left college in Memphis with a degree in business major. Was he all the way from Memphis? Hmm. Sorry, <laughs> I got it, Phil. Good. <laughs> I want to see James pronounce the next place name. Um, some years later, he went to school again in Milwaukee. Feeling that writing ads okay. was exciting. Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee. Thank you. Milwaukee. And there he discovered directing, and he's mo- he moved around to New York and Los Angeles. Um, he also did Six Million Dollar Man. And also, he was instrumental. He was the first African American who applied to the Apprentice program, and then graduated from the say from the Director Guild of America. I think he's most outside of South Africa, I think he's most known for being. Assistant director on the comedy series, the Bill Crosby show. Crosby oh, show yeah. I was going to say more, like, more um, Dirty Harry, a nineteen seventy one film. That's a very famous film. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he was uh, he's, he appeared as a background actor in the crime filler Dirty Harry. And uh, interesting enough, uh, Andy, uh, Andrew Robinson was in Dirty Harry as well. Let's mm. see a, uh, one of the one of the characters in Dick's Most Known. Um, sorry, Garrick. Um, so yeah, I mean, he certainly did a lot in his time. You know, particularly during particularly during the sort of sixties and seventies and sort of eighties. Um, said he was in many things. He said the TV sci-fi film Earth Two, 1971, the crime drama Melinda, seventy-two. Um, he, he and he's done a you know he's done a TV series. He's done he, a couple of comedies. He was from that golden era, wasn't he? That golden era of filming. Yeah, and he and he done different to. things. It wasn't just sticking to one specific thing. This is a crime drama, comedy, TV as well. I've got one here, Bigfoot Five as well, nineteen seventy-seven. I wonder what that would have been like in nineteen seventy-seven, Bigfoot Five. Well, that was this episode of the Six Million Man. Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> I got there in the end. And he also worked as a unit production manager on the comedy Busting Loose in 1981. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, just that... an incredible career. Just mm. to say, it's just the... it's like when you, some, when Larry goes, "Hey, look at this name." You know, you know, know it's going to be. You know, you've really got something. Yeah, definitely. And I saw that he stood out and say, "Larry, kind of." Uh, signposted him and kind of went, hey, you know, this guy is important for this thing. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, I think we'll do that. It's one we would never have seen or heard of or realised. It's the same as said that book never materialised. I think mean, that would have been a really interesting read. Mm. I wonder what happened to it. It doesn't actually say what in the information we've got, but maybe there's, maybe there's some more information about it somewhere. Maybe it's the same as uh, as uh, the Simpsons episode where the memoirs all get put, in, put into a shredder. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's... It's someone that we wouldn't have known otherwise. I think no, just, just but again, this is what this, is, this, this sort of episode is all about. It's highlighting the unsigned heroes. Hmm. But yeah, you're right, sorry. Yeah. So is there um, anything else to say about... It's, so he's only got a page, but, but it's a darn good page. Yeah, we, we suggest you have a look. It's Charles Washburn. W-A-S-H-B-U-R-N. I've already written the notes for... Well, we're recording, so I've already done notes for the um, uh, long page schedule on the, yeah. the blog. So if we're unsure what the name is, and hopefully Joe will do them in the um, blurb as well. Yeah, right? yeah. Go, go and have a look for them. Because, they, you know, these people were worth looking up. So it's... Just you like know. last year, the, the people that you don't necessarily look up, you look... You know, just you know, and just from what we've got, just from what we've I said, what we've researched, there's probably, there's probably a lot more out there about them. To be mm. fair, so there's probably a lot more out about more stuff they probably actually have done, which I think I'm definitely going to check out once once we finish this yeah, episode. Exactly, yeah. Because um, as you say, it's it really does resonate with you. You know, just how many hundreds and hundreds of people have worked on Star Trek. I say hundreds, probably more like in the thousands, <laughs> but you know. And said it's there's so I mean you, you I mean was it that list you have Simon that you know all the birthdays of all the actors and actresses that have now passed and it's just it's the list just it's endless. Yeah, well, when I did it last when I printed out last year I only got to April because I looked through every single name on there trying to find someone interesting and you know. I'd look through so many at my computer freeze. I'd open like four different chairs trying to look Yeah, at that's them. the problem with memory alpha. I find it's really slow. You literally have to be so patient and waiting for it to load up. Particularly if you said you're looking at multiple pages, yeah. So I've only got to April and it keeps updating, but it mm. just shows you just how... It's worth having a look on there. Just the spectrum names on there. There's famous ones on there, but it's people that you go, never heard of you. I look at what you've done. Mm. 
And sometimes they're just kind of they appear once in this, but sometimes there's there's Charlie Washburn's in there. Yeah, there's some people that really put a lot of a lot of effort into what we watch now and what ultimately, in fairness, you could argue a lot of films that we watch now have are spawned somehow out of ideas that these people had came up with that then other people thought, you know what, that's a really good idea, like a really good visual effect or a really good hmm. way of directing it or a really good example, or if it's a writer, a really good way of putting a point across. People take, yeah. it's yeah. like Simon always says, originality died when you say it. Shakespeare, probably. Yeah, <laughs> he died, but, uh, died in Shakespeare, but it's sort of, you can well, argue. I mean, going to our last person, um, Penny, Penny Jade, and I do apologise if I pronounce that wrong, I've just been looking, just having a quick look at it, and... She is incredible. She's yeah. like um, Mike, Mike and Z's Akuda. She is just incredible. It's like, it's like she's on special features. Oh, she's the art, art department coordinator. She's yeah, she's incredible, was, yeah. As well as the archivist, so... who was responsible for managing props, set pieces, models, blueprints, photographs, and many other parts of Star Trek history. She has catalogued everything on the Paramount Pictures lot relating to Star Trek and was the first source production designers or set dressers approach when a piece of information or certain object was needed. She was always uh, credited as as Penny J. Credible. Sorry about cutting you off there, Si. You've got to remember that they were... Well, at the time that she was doing it, because since they did the auction back in... 2006, I think it was, around that neck of the woods, you know, Christie Auction... Mm-hmm. They had they had warehouses full of Star Trek stuff like you know, like you rattled off Jamie yeah. props set pieces models blueprints photographs I mean, costumes the amount of inventory full of it, and she knew everything in there knew where it was sorted it all out she must have a photo she must have had a photographic memory or yeah. something that's incredible it's you know she was DS9 uh, set by an art department coordinator. Uh, and then for Star Trek Six Generations for Contact Instruction and Nemesis, she was art department coordinator. So she would help the directors, producers, whoever, so she's, to kind of look through things, kind of go, hey, can you look this up for me? So she's worked, I said, mainly some of the Star Trek films and Deep Space Nine. But she actually, um, she did play a cameo as a civilian in the uh, USS Enterprise D in Star Trek uh, Generations as Generations well. And, and a Baku in yeah. Insurrection. Um, she was. Oh, I also found interesting is she helped um, um, Mike and Denise Akuda to get married. Did she? Yeah, to uh, DS9 and Enterprise scenic artist Anthony Fredrickson uh, in 24th of June 2000. Um, no, that's the person she married. Yeah, so, yeah. Someone was talking about prodding, prodding for who who prodded her to to do it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. From was it you said Denise Akuda, so that's really quite interesting. Um, I mean, she she unfortunately died in in the nineteenth of December two thousand fifteen, following yeah, a battle with cancer. Yeah, she married Anthony Frederick Fredrickson. Yeah, that's what just, Jamie just said. Yeah. yeah. So. Okay, we broke up. Yeah. That's what I don't <laughs> What was what was quite unfortunate was I mean she she died from a battle of cancer, but following her death, her husband died a mere two months later. Which is often the case when you've got a couple that have been together. So yeah, long. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, if it says what the cause is where you're looking to. He didn't, didn't say. Maybe it was the shock of losing his wife. It's but possible. a lot of the time it is, and a lot of people feel feel that well, what's the point in, in 
in mm. living on. That's a real, real shame. But the main thing she's helped to it, so mm. her association started when she was her 1991 set director, Mickey S. Michaels, as a production associate for DS9, uh, which was in pre-production. Um, and then he he asked her to work on Undiscovered Country, um, which was being in production. Um, I say what she's most known for is the TNG season two DVD special feature Inside Star Trek Archives. Penny, I think it's Love 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 Star Trek Coordinator. Jaday. Maybe she was Jadayan. And the other one that well, she's she's done four that a note here. Star Trek Six, um, Penny's Toy Box, and Generations, a tribute to Matt Jeffries and Captain Carr's family album. What is also quite interesting, which I didn't realise, is that um, Ensign Penny and Judean, obviously, it's an obscure name on a casualty list glimpsed during DS9's episode in The Power Moonlight, was named for her. She also previously worked as a recurring background actress, a bar patron at the Lebeau in the comedy series Roseanne. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Roseanne, Jamie. Hmm? Roseanne, beg your pardon. Um, um, she has also managed history of the Future Museum at the Star Trek Experience in Las Vegas before it closed. Um, works as project coordinator for the Star Trek magazine as a researcher for Star Trek Pack Files. Uh, credited as Penny Smart Judley, I think they're killing her name, but Penny Smart information to the technical briefings in both. It's just she managed. They say she's like the Mike and like the Kudas. Mm-hmm. So you know, so so useful and so needed that you know that people that everyone sort of forgets about. And it's incredible the fact that she said she catalogued all that, all those things, all the all the props and the blueprints. Yeah, imagine the thousands upon thousands and. If you said to her, where is this, she'd know straight away. Yes, yeah. that's, that's... She wouldn't even need to literally that's say That's better than you, Jamie, by me saying, what is the season two, episode six of Next Gen? The name. Ah, uh, yeah, true, yeah. Morning. Hmm? Season two, episode six. It doesn't uh, work if you get him on. <laughs> no, I'm not going to answer that, Phil. Um, uh, let the side down, Jamie. <laughs> this is not about me. <laughs> it's never about you. But no, it's impressive the memory that she does have because I'll, I'll put my phone down and five minutes later I've forgotten where it is. So. Who are you? I've not. What are we talking about? <laughs> she works as a shopper for productions, including Eats Face 9, and oh, I've okay. several set pieces and products used on the show in the countryside, whatever that means. Another big, another big contributor to the DS9, which I'm actually currently re watching mm. so, on Netflix. So, just, just enhances the my good experience. Her in a costume is included in the photo gallery of the Star Trek Generation Special Edition DVD set. So, of her in a uh, tin forward garb. Hmm. It's quite cool. Is that, that worth watch? But I say, definitely, wor- definitely watch this um, TNG Season 2 special feature. And look out That's for it. Really, well, she's the whole thing. She's, she's the presenter of that 15 minute tour of. Different props. Mm. So it's one of those ones that I actually love. I no, what I mean, like look out for in the little cameos. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in them, in them, yeah. Mm. So it's just inc- I say it's someone else that people might be familiar with because of those, but I think it's quite nice to mm. kind of bring it to. The and again, time. just from what we've got, it's literally a page the same as um, uh, Charles Bosch Boshburn. Boshburn, yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone who put so much effort into it really deserves a bit more than just half a page on uh, on Wikipedia, I guess. 
Mm. I just enjoyed doing this. I love finding out about the people, mm. finding out what they've done, what what we haven't seen them in, and say giving it to you guys so you can find out about it. Them. It also adds a little bit more meaning. So the next time you watch that episode, you'll see her and you go, "Oh yeah, yeah, and it, exactly." It's a nice or you know, to... when I watch another episode and I and I see the Defiant, I think, "Oh, Gary Hutzel was was the one who actually built the model." Every that. time I go past my model now, I'll be able to see it. Exactly. Even so... though, even though if I did break it when I was a uh, Cleaning. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh dear. Did you Nose is think... slightly come off, and I, sm- oh, I smashed no. the um the plastic it held on. Oh, oh dear. I do have a secondary one though. Oh, okay, that's, that's something at least. Can So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I think we sort of I think we've covered all four of them quite well. I think haven't mm. we? So, so no, def- definitely uh, when when you after you finish listening to the episode, we'll put a couple of links. On the blog, and of course, well, they'll be there all the time. But a couple, as much, I've much done it today. I yeah, kind of so I was already away. well ahead. As, but, as much info you know, as can, as much info as can attach to the episode. I have a look. I will include will see their names in the blurb as well. Um, because I said again, they, they deserve the recognition, and obviously where you, where you, actually where you can find them as well. So I'm memory alpha, and I'm, again, I'm sure you, there's probably more, much more information out there about them. So this is just as Simon said earlier. It's just a tip of the iceberg. So. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's us remembering more absent friends. Sadly, people who are no longer with us who passed away over this year or years, a uh, few years earlier. Yeah. Mm. It's just, that's just nice to be at the end of the year, just mm. kind of a bit of a retrospective and a, a look back, isn't mm. it? Mm. Which is quite nice. So it's uh, and again, like I say, it's able to honour their memory and maybe put a highlight onto them that that some yeah. of our listeners might I mean, not have even heard of. I mean I feel I feel like what we're doing here, you know, for them it's it's giving back what they've given us. Yeah. You know, the many wonderful hours we've John we've, we've had of watching Star Trek or talking about it. And like I say, it gives you that appreciation. Yeah, it? because without them you know it, like I say we wouldn't have a defiant, which they I mean you the the battle scenes in Deep Space Nine wouldn't be anywhere near as good. Exactly. You know, and it's just yeah. If you also look at it like well, the games we play, wouldn't our Star Trek games wouldn't be anywhere as good because you would they would have a completely different feel to the design and everything else. Mm. So yeah, I think um, think I think we'll leave I think it that there. Is done. Well, yeah. I was going yeah. to talk about the future, looking forward to our next episode because that's oh, going to be a yes. fun one. Mm. Yes, our next one is a little bit, a bit of a it's going to be very very different for us to do something. Well, in a way, it is. In a way, in a way, it is. But it's a it's, it's something we do in a lot of our episodes. Tangent City. So basically, we we spend a lot of our time just talking about random stuff that's nothing to do with. Star Trek. Well, so, normally we research stuff. Normally it's kind of okay. There is a little bit to it. We, we go off on a little branch and we come back but to the stem. time you hear us, we're going to have no notes. We are going to have no idea what we're doing, what we're going to say. It's going to be Tangent City. So we're going to talk about everything completely and random. The last one we did is that. Go on, so go on, so sorry, sorry. We're so. also going to find out who's doing the forfeit because we're going to have two quizzes. Going to come to conclusion. It's, yeah. a du- it's a double quiz. So we will each be having six questions, uh, three, three from me to Simon, three from Jamie to Simon, and then the it's same. Switching round, yeah. Switching round for all and of us. It's week week weekend, and week. And as I understand yeah. it, we're, we're not doing a but come together. We'll do... One, two rounds. Two rounds. And it's all to play for at the moment because I am currently half a point, thanks to Sam, away from Jamie. Yeah. I, I know I'm going to end up doing the forfeit. I definitely know. And then, uh, 
it. Hopefully, if we can work out what the frick we're doing, because yeah. we, I still haven't worked out how it's going to work, but we hopefully, I'll put that in speech marks, I should put that in speech marks, we will we, we hopefully be doing that live so that mm. you will be hearing it at the end of the episode as we're doing it. And then our last episode of the year will be our yearbook. Yes. So, which I'm still currently in the process of sorting out. Yes. So, got, got Simon's clips. I'm still getting mine sorted and filled. The uh, interesting thing I wanted to say about the Tangent City episode is it's not actually the first time we're going to do it. Because when we were last, if you remember, we were around Jamie's, we spent two hours. We, we all met up together and said that we won't talk about the podcast. We won't do anything Star Trek. We'll just have a lad's evening and enjoy ourselves. And we ended up spending two hours talking about anything. Mm. And it was, well, was I, I wish I'd recorded it because it was one of the probably the best things. That, the best, was, that was where the idea came and we had to do from an episode. Doctor Who to Star Trek to Sherlock Holmes to... Mm. To, I can't even think. Do we even talk about Walking Dead? We talked about Game of Thrones. That's, yeah. We talked about loads of stuff. But it was... Beyond questions for each other, we're going to have no notes. No mm. idea. So this episode could go anywhere. But the questions can go anywhere. That, that's the thing. That's the prize. I said to you, bro, isn't it? Yeah. You, can, you can do whatever. Mm. I've already sorted mine for both of them. And I've given them both the hint that the heavy questions are going to be Star Trek based for yeah. both. But the two easy ones are going to be based on holidays I've done with them and um, school in some way. On our first trip away to Osbington Bay, what seat did we sit on? What was the number in the coach, Simon? Well, they're easy, but you should be able to get them. <laughs> Do you really I don't know. Well, if he's from the squad, I think right, my memory will go that far back. The old thing is I actually remember the, the number of seat that we sat in in the coach. Oddly enough, I can remember what I used to do, on a, uh, what, what lessons I used to have on a Monday in Year 7 when I was at Kingdom. 39 was the seat that we sat in. But that's what I've done from But yeah, uh, Tangent City, we could talk about anything. We could talk about what we had for breakfast yesterday. I, I so, gave them a choice. I said, we can know. do this one or we can do that one. And I just got told we were doing that one. And I'll tell you what's also sad is, can you remember what type of chocolate bar you had when the, the coach broke down? No. You had a Kit Kat. <laughs> You had a four four way Kit Kat. I'm not getting involved in this. I'm just going to stay in the trip to Osmonton Bay. Do you remember the trip to Osmonton Bay? I didn't go. Oh, Barton Hall, sorry. <laughs> Silence says everything. Moving on. Anyway, yeah, so that's... You've got that. <laughs> to look forward to... What, what chocolate I ate years ago. It's part of Tangent City. Yeah, I so... Until then, guys, yeah, we'll, I said we'll be back soon. This episode, I said we'll be going out next week. Well, they're listening to it, yeah. so you don't need to say anything because they're listening to it now. And it, I'll get confused with now time. Now will be next week. I so know, don't. Be, so time listen to it now. Yeah. <laughs> just don't bother I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Should we say when, how they can get hold of us? They've already got the episode, so like, they probably know how to do that. Just from my people to the new people. You can find you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, and also at our website at www.theengagepodcast.com, and you can also email us at theengagepodcast@yahoo.com. Yeah, you do know to remain. Yeah, and we are on the Twitter at tengagepodcast. Yeah, and we are also on Facebook engagepodcast. If you find another podcast that's not three random guys talking about Trek, two centuries centuries early. early. Then it's probably another podcast, and you need to come away. <laughs> Jordan Hoffman. 
Hmm. And the sound effects. Should we sign off then? Sorry, that was a previous uh, Simpsons. It's all right. Are we going to have to work Simpsons the whole episode? Nope. Again, we're starting Tangent City already. <laughs> so I've always, I've always off in Jamie. I think Jamie wants to finish the episode. <laughs> we can carry on if you like. I don't mind. I've been Phil. I've been Simon. And we yes. will see you soon. Take care, guys. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.